0: You have been made with a purpose and given specific gifts to accomplish your mission. This is ReQuip. Stay tuned to gain insights to prepare, equip, and empower you to do the work of ministry. A couple years ago, I was at a point in my life where I had to determine, is what I'm doing the right thing? Is it the right motivation? Is it the right way? I had to kind of determine, is there a problem with my passion or is my purpose or is it a little bit of both? Like what, what is the problem? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have uh, some of those friends where man, they're like a hypochondriac. Like anything they see, they're like, yeah, yeah, I might, I might start to have that. Um, oh, I'm starting to feel sick. I'm starting to – you see a commercial. I remember there was commercials uh, years ago now. Um, one was called RLS restless leg syndrome you're like what what is that is that a real thing but they start to read it off and and they start to show the commercial you're like man maybe i I might have that like i might that might be me i don't know like is this diagnosing me like my most of the thing time comes on at late or maybe it's some youtube video and it comes on it's just an advertisement just pops up in your screen it just forces you to watch it I'm old enough to remember YouTube when it was free, you didn't have any advertisements, but anyway. Well, one of those was Restless Leg Syndrome, RLS, and you'd watch this commercial, and there's these people tossing and turning, they can't sleep, and, and they have all this, this just irritation in their leg, they gotta move and they can't sleep, and then finally, they, they ask their friend, yeah, this is what's going on. They say, hey, you know what worked for me? Was this drug, Seroquel. Seroquel, worked for me. I, I recommend that you talk to your doctor. So then they go to the doctor and say, hey, I really want to have this problem. What about this drug, Seroquel? And the doctor says, yes, I would love to give that to you. So they give them to them, and it solves all their problems. But then when you read some of the side effects, you're like, uh, seems like the, the cure is a little bit worse than the cause. And so I looked up this particular drug, and so the RLS, real syndrome, restless leg syndrome, it's a condition that causes uncontrollable urge to move the legs. Okay, that's makes sense. Usually because of an uncomfortable sensation. <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, that doesn't sound so bad. It's a little uncomfortable. But there's a cure for it, Sir Quill. So you can check that out. You can get that. And that will cure you, so they say. And, and then I went to look up. Okay, well, you know how as you're watching the advertisements, then they're having some fun scene. They're, they're playing shuffleboard. <laughs> it's usually some older people. Or they're, they're playing with their kids or something like that. And you just see the video and then the audio is somebody's voice quickly reading off all the side effects. And Suraquel says chills, cold sweats, confusion, dizziness, faintness, lightheadedness, sleeplessness, usually drowsiness, black tarry stools, blurred vision, speech problem, chest pains, cough, drooling, fever, inability to move eyes, inability to sit still. Increased blinking, spasms of the eyelid, lip smacking and puckering, not sure what that is, lack of balance, muscle aches, need to keep moving, painful, difficult in urination, puffing of the cheeks, rapid worm-like movements in the tongue, restlessness, shaking of the legs, arms, hands, and feet, shuffling walk, slowed movements, slurred speech, sore throat, and death. Okay, I, I had that last one in. But all the other ones are real. I mean, you, you think it like, okay, well, the cure is, is like worse than the cause. Like the things they're trying to fix themselves with actually hurting them more. And so, I, I honestly, I, I think that's what's happening as we're going to get into this, this church. We're talking about of how Jesus is diagnosing them. It's in Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 21, and it is the church of Laodicea. And this church has a diagnosis that Jesus is giving. this church is a real church. It's one of seven churches off Asia Minor that Jesus is giving a message to John who's off on the island of Patmos. He's exiled, he's he's cut off from the churches and Jesus gives the message. And when you look at the churches, yeah, they were real legitimate churches. They actually existed. Jesus was giving them a message. But another way to look at it is maybe, maybe he's diagnosing us. Maybe this is a message for us. When a lot of scholars look at the churches, you can almost lay it out chronological. And the seventh church, the church of Laodicea, is the church of the last days. And we are certainly in the last days. And Revelation three fourteen through 22 says, and the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen and faithful and true witness, beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you're neither hot nor cold. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich, I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you're a wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourselves, and of the shame of your nakedness, may not be seen and salved to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those who I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant, him to sit at the right hand of my throne. And I also conquer and sit down with my father at his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So the first thing we need to see is that Jesus diagnoses us correctly. I mean, we get a lot of false messages. We get a lot of things out there. We don't even know ourselves. That's why throughout God's word, God's word is so powerful because he reads us. He knows us. He made us. He sees us and he diagnoses us correctly. So why does it say in verse 14, the beginning of God's creation? I know your works. So why did Jesus start off this way? And why is he talking about this, the beginning of creation, about knowing your works? He did, and then, you know, he, he doesn't just list off a bunch of works and diagnose the results. So what is he talking about? Why is he coming at it from this angle? we have to first go back and think about what is the first command for work? Why is he talking about that? Because he says, the beginning of creation, I know your works. What's the connection there? Genesis 128 gives us a clue. It says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. So much in here. I love it. God blesses them before he gives them anything to do that's key to know about God. He also gave it to them. The them is male and female. Genesis 1 talks about God made them in our image, male and female. He created them and let them have dominion. So God has this sort of union, this, this uh, equality from the very beginning Uh, but it's mankind, there's distinction, there's male and female, but there's, there's equality from the very beginning. So there's so much in this. Don't have time to camp out there, but there's so much. And he tells them what to do. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. What is he saying here? And simply put, this is important to know, okay, what's the right way? So he's diagnosing the wrong thing. Like, this is wrong, but this is where He's pointing back to, this is the right way. These are the works. This is what I've called you for in general. God will make it clear with the specifics, but in general, this will get you on the right path. And the first thing is to be, to be fruitful. This is your identity, just to be. The first thing isn't to do, but it's to be. And then from that being, from your identity, from your calling, what God's made you, how he's crafted you, then he says do. From that, he says do, multiply. I love that. God says Multiply, that's the best thing for it is to multiply. Quite often we wanna add things to us, but he wants us to multiply out of us. This is our effort. This is where we need to put our focus. The third thing is to run it. This is how you do it. Subdue it and have dominion. This is about management. This is recognizing your place in the world, recognizing God's creation is here for you to fulfill your purpose. So he's put you where you're supposed to be. He's made you the way you're supposed to be. He's crafted you where you're supposed to be. So what does this have to do with the lukewarm church? Doesn't the church just need a little bit more passion? Don't they just need to have a little bit more vigor, work a little bit harder? Well, No, no, they don't need to work harder because Jesus pointed out that's, that's the problem. Your cure is worse than the cause. Your cure is worse than the cause. We first need to understand this by looking at the context of Laodicea. Laodicea was a church that was uh, located in Asia Minor, but right around it, it was in what's known as the Lycus River Valley. So it was really in a valley, but it really wasn't next to a river. It was by itself, but it was in that river valley, but it wasn't close enough to really gain access to the river, so it was sort of out in the open. But when they did some archaeology and they discovered what was going on here, what, what's what's going on with Laodicea? Because if you look at some earlier interpretations of this, really before 1960 or so, we just assumed because we took on our uh, American. Way of speaking and, and what we think. Okay, what is lukewarm? What is hot? What is passion? What is cold? You know, you're you're dry and you're not you're not as passionate. And so we we used to be taught, hot means man, you are on fire for God, and cold means oh, you're just you're just going away from God. But doesn't Jesus say I'd rather you be hot or, or I'd or cold? Like he wants you, like cold's okay. That doesn't work. With our theology, that doesn't work the way we've been taught. Well, that's because we had a a bad understanding of the context. So in about the 1960s or so, they did some um, excavation and archaeology was happening in that area. And they discovered some things. They discovered, yeah, they were rich. They absolutely were rich. There were places, uh, large gathering places. They had amphitheaters. I mean, anytime you have amphitheaters, that gives the indication this is a wealthy place because they're they're for play and pleasure they're they're doing entertainment they they were wealthy and they actually had um, fine linen that they crafted and um, they they did a lot of uh, things where they created these healing bombs with uh, uh, Jesus mentioned hey I'll give you salve for your eyes well that's a historical reference to one of the things that they did. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to apply this to you. That thing that you think you're really good at, I want to apply this to you because you're not seen correctly. But another thing they discovered was this extensive ancient aqueduct system. And and there's pictures even today, and it goes back, this is from, from 60 AD where this really came about. And if you think about the context, John's writing the book of Revelation that he gets from Jesus, this is about 90 AD. So it's this place is thriving. This place is booming. They have this extensive aqueduct system. So how does that tie into hot or cold? Well, they were in this river valley and they were surrounded by two other cities. Two other established cities that were also doing well. So Laodicea wanted to be in the middle and likely because this was trade routes and they could kind of get the best of both worlds. And to... Um, one area was Heropolis. And Heropolis was, yeah, they were known for their hot springs. They were right on this sort of geological feature where they had these um, hot springs that would come up and people would would bathe there and people would find healing. It would, it would kind of bring cleansing and healing, relaxation. That's where people would go for this. That's what they were known for because that's where God placed it. God made that, he's crafted it, and that's what they were good at. So they just thrived in that area. But then there was another city that we we hear about, and there's a book in the Bible, Colossians, and this is the city of Colossae. And Colossae was known for its cold springs, the cold river. The, the actually, Lycus River ran through the city right near the city where they could get this cold water and it was, it was reviving, it was refreshing, it was helping and people would go there and when they thought of it, man, that's just a breath of fresh air. That was a refreshing time when they think of that city. But Laodicea tried to get the best of both worlds. They tried to exploit other people's callings and passions and try to pipe them in. They created this aqueduct system and yeah, they were able to get water, but it wasn't for the purpose that it was intended. So they would pipe in hot water from Heropolis. They would pipe in cold, refreshing water from Colossae. But as you guessed it, by the time went through the piping, made it several miles and got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. It was like warm room temperature. It was, yeah, maybe they used it for some other purpose and they probably did. They probably drank from it, they probably bathed in it, they probably did a bunch of things, but Jesus is saying, you think you're rich, you think you figured it out, but you're blind, pitiable, poor, and naked. Why? Because you're using someone else's dream, using someone else's vision, You're, you're trying to borrow from someone else's identity to create your own. And Jesus is saying, I didn't create you that way. That's not the way I made you. That's not the way that I made you. And that's the, that brings up the second point. What are you designed for? Question you need to ask yourself, what are you designed for? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This and of yourselves, the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. This is the key part in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. Or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, he's prepared in advance for you to do. Be, do, and run. He wants you to be who he's called you to be. He, then from that, do what he's called you to do. And then while you're doing that, run it well, manage it well, have dominion over it, subdue it, cultivate it, organize it, structure it, Make it be used for for an even better purpose, but use it for the right purpose. Neil Moody has an amazing quote, and he says, our greatest fear should not be failure, but it's succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. You can build the best aqueducts, but you're piping in someone else's dream. You can make the best aqueducts, but you're just bringing in someone else's dream. That's not what God's called you for. Are you living someone else's calling, someone else's dream? And so the thing I think we need to come away with, what was going on here in Laodicea? And maybe how is Jesus diagnosing us? It's not passion or purpose, but it's passion from purpose. He wants us to have passion from purpose. So what do we do? What do we do with this? How How do we... How do we move on? I think there's three kind of things. They're not that complicated. But our life here isn't meant to be compl- We make it complicated because we're piping in all these other things to us. Let's keep it simple. The first thing is to seek God. And where is he calling you? What is he calling you to? How has he made you? Just seek that. Just pray that. Just keep praying. Don't, don't pray for a position Pray for how God's called you. Don't pray for a place. God, I just send me here. I want you to send me here. I want, I want to do that. I want you, I want to go here. Don't pray for that. Because you might, you, you might just get it and think it's God, but it's not. Seek Him for how He's made you and where He what He's calling you to do. Man, the thing that I'm doing now, I never would have thought. I never would have thought that. And there was a time where I was. Man, I, was, I thought I was supposed to pray for a position. I, was, I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't. The truth is when you know who you are, God makes room for your gift. The second thing is write it down. Whatever he gives you, write it down. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write down the vision and make it plain. And write it simple, make it so simple. What is he called you for? Who has he made you? The third thing is pray for those opportunities. Ephesians 2.10 says he's prepared these things in advance for you to do. And I hope that you'll do that and that God will bless you in that. Remember God blessed before he called to do. You're already blessed. If you put your faith in Jesus, man, he, he calls you his son and daughter. So make sure that you be fruitful. You do multiply, and then you run it well. You've been listening to Requip Ministries, and thanks so much for listening. And go ahead, head on over to our website for more resources. That's requip.org, R-E-Q-U-I-P.org. And you can always connect with me on social media as well. And until next time, we hope you follow the command to always be prepared for action.